Welcome to Waking Up from Breaking Up, the podcast all about breakups with real experiences from ordinary and everyday people. My name is Ira J, and I'm your host. Today is um, a special episode. It's May 1st, 2022, and 27 years ago, uh, a good man was born. His name was John Campbell Bennett. He was born on May 1st, 1995. And I say he's a good man because he just had so much integrity. He was honest. He was loyal. He was compassionate. He was confident in himself. He was full of adventure. And he touched so many hearts for the little time that he was here. On November 21st, 2017, John was killed in a tragic accident in Italy. In today's episode, I interview his girlfriend at the time, Sally, and see how she had handled his death and how she has grown from the experience. Sally and I recorded this interview on the four-year anniversary of John's death. It was very emotional, obviously, but I wanted to celebrate John's birthday. May 1st. Sally is this amazing, strong woman, probably one of the strongest women I've ever known. She's funny. She's charismatic. She's smart. She's creative. She's brilliant. And she just lights up a room every time she walks in it. The strength it took for her to not have her light dim during the time of her grieving when she lost her paradise and her best friend takes a lot of strength. In this interview, she talks about the struggles that she had that was happening in her head mentally when she just felt so low and probably the saddest moment of her life. Sally was able to take her grief of the loss of her love at that time and made it into something beautiful. And I know John would be very proud of her. Andrew Garfield had said in an interview about his mom and the passing of his mom, he said, grief is unexpressed love that we don't get to tell them. And it's a beautiful thing. And so that relates very much so to Sally and the way she's approached life and the way she's living her life now, um, where every day is a joy, even the bad days. Um, and even when it rains, she makes it so beautiful and she sees the world in such beauty and such happiness. And it's seen in every aspect of her life, not just in her friendships, not just in her um, relationship with herself, but in her relationship with her amazing fiance, David. Stay at the reflection section at the very end of the episode where we talk about uh, changing the perspective about grieving. So, okay. So how, how did we meet? I think we were communicating. It's like a modern day love story. <laughs> you and I communicate. It honestly is. It honestly is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we, we started talking online first before we actually met in person, like for an entire month or something like that. Yeah, like so our mutual friend Callie, who's my classmate um, from undergrad, she was like when, when I said I was going to work my eight-month co-op in Vancouver – with John, she was just like, you gotta be my friend Ira. She's like an older version of you. <laughs> yeah, and um, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, 
And we were like messaging and then we realized, holy shit, like she really is the older version of me. Like our personalities are so similar. And Kelly was like, yeah, I went to Ira for like all the social things because like I was like an extrovert and I'm not. So yeah. like it was perfect. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm the most extrovert out of everyone I know. I would love to meet another extrovert who like has a very similar personality to me. And it was perfect, but like, I don't know why, but like just basically John stalled like introducing us. I have no idea why. Maybe it's because there's like he knew there'd be like a volcanic explosion. <laughs> I think he's like, I think I can only handle one extrovert at a time. I think so. I think so. Like yeah, he would come to work and I'm like, John, hey, 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 hey. And then he'd go home and you'd be like, John, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't think you know, we're surrounded by a sea of introverts. Like, in the oh. architecture scene. I think we like overwhelm people. Sure. <laughs> oh gosh, I know. I think there was a few times and then he like looked at me funny and I'm like, what? I would say something and he would look at me funny and and he's yeah. like, and I'm like, what? And he's like, Sally would say that. <laughs> Are like, you serious? Like, yeah. And I was like, your girlfriend sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there were multiple times where we were like, End up just finishing each other's sentences. And, we're, and, like, and I feel like John felt like a third wheel. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, man. I do miss him. Yeah, that was what we met. That was four years ago. No, almost five years ago when we met now. Yeah, because it was like January 2017. It was almost five years ago. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. And yesterday was the four-year anniversary of his death. How were you doing? Yesterday or today? What was it today? Just 27. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. It was yesterday. It was, it was yesterday. yesterday. Do you, do you, are you asking, like, how I felt, like, yesterday or, like, how I feel, like, after, like, after the day? Both. Okay. Um, well, yesterday, I think, actually, uh, ever since I met David, the days have been a lot easier, like, just when that day comes around because it feels more like it's about, less about his passing and more about, the growth I've experienced since mm-hmm. because um so basically like a year a year after Rome like like on the one year anniversary of his passing that was very very hard but it was also just a moment when I realized like how far I had come mainly because like when it's just every I guess every time like uh it is November 21st like I, I hit like a very much like a big moment of just revelation of just being like wow like this is like a big marker of the passage of time for me like you know just kind of like birthdays anything like that that just comes around like just every year and it's just a time when you can just reflect on the last place you were like the last time this day had come and like yeah I remember the first time it came around like it was it was so hard I couldn't really wrap my head around it and then it was just a few weeks after that, that like, when I was like, you know what, a year has passed. I, cause I promised myself, like I give myself a year before I even thought about trying to meet anybody. And David just appeared. He just appeared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he like, he just kind of walked in. And I remember just thinking, just being like, like, did he do this? Like, did John do this? Yeah. Like, was I guided towards this person? So <laughs> it was just like a, like a mixture of like reflecting on, like not just what happened in Rome, but just basically everything that happened afterwards. And I just, I realized honestly just how, how lucky I am. Like 
he was one of the best people I ever knew. And he never got a chance to see another day after that. And it had nothing to do with his control. It was just purely an accident. And when you think about it that way, it's just, you know, you could think of, I think you can think about it two ways, like how unfair it is, which, cause it really was how unfair it was that someone that young and that talented and that gifted just had to just like one moment he's here and the next moment we're just what he's gone. And, but then on the other hand, if you think about it, just even in the young life that he lived, even in the 22 years he was around, like he inspired so many people and just when, and like the la- and yesterday I just was realizing that just like, you know, the amount of people he knew, the amount of people he's reached, he had reached just with, even after his passing, people just, uh, realizing like the kind of person he was and, um, like the influence he had on them without them even realizing I think the realization hit the strongest for people like honestly after he passed because it's then you suddenly just it's you just recollect all these things that had happened because I feel like that's part of your brain maybe trying to process the trauma like I feel like we don't talk about grief enough in this as a society no yeah so I had no idea how to just channel all these emotions I was feeling all this emotional energy that was just being generated and I just I knew I needed to direct it towards something so I remember like four years ago basically right after my dad got me this book called um grieving mindfully and I still think I think about it every time this day comes around and it was honestly I think that book like saved me (laughs) uh my uh because my dad you know just being a dad he just he didn't really know the words to say what can you say really right and I remember him just being like I can't even be mad at him like how can you be mad at someone who's gone he's like but he's the one who's like making you hurt so much and he like my my dad the only solution he could think of was he's like do you want to go to a bookstore (laughs) (laughs) and I was like I was like sure I mean like what else am I gonna do just like cry in bed like so we just we went to a bookstore and like we went to a section called grieving there's a whole like section like there's a whole section that like the indigo on it and I remember picking up this book and reading the first few pages and it was all about like how to basically how to redirect all this emotional energy you feel from grieving into something good Mm -hmm. and that was basically what I've been working on since since that day four years ago just Every time I, because, you know, it comes in waves and nowadays it's more, it's less hurt and more just, I guess, a mixture of nostalgia and just missing and just, um, I guess just memory really just, it feels like a lifetime ago, honestly. And now it's just like, you know, but he lives on through our memories of him Mm -hmm. and, and so many people have so many different exciting versus funny versus weird just like memories of him and that's how we remember I mean that's how I guess everyone is is remembered mm-hmm. and um yeah I just it was a day it, like every year when that when uh, when this day comes around it's a day of me reflecting on just my growth since that day where since I read that book where I was like okay every time I feel down and every time I I miss him and I, every time I I feel like I can't go on anymore. I'm just going to, I'm just going to remember like the pages from this book that were just like all this energy you're feeling can be, can be directed towards something other than sadness. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I basically just used my grief as an, as a, as like a, I don't know if tools the right word, but more like a path, a path to just being the most empathetic version of myself I could possibly be. 
Mm-hmm. Like now it's like whenever anyone explains like anything they're going through, like there aren't a lot of people who could say like, oh, I've been there. You know, mm-hmm. there's a difference between being like, oh, I can't even imagine it. I've actually been there. I, I For for many people who go through emo- like something devastating and losing someone or the fear of losing someone, because that's honestly like for me the greatest fear. I think for many people it is as well, just losing someone they love. And so for anyone going through something like that or just something, anything just emotionally devastating, I couldn't be like, you know what? Like, I've been there. I know what it's like to yeah. like sink to the lowest of the possible lows you can go to. Mm-hmm. So honestly, it was a day of more just like reminding myself how lucky I am that, you know, I get to see another day. And it com- it's completely changed my perspective like that day of mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and oftentimes I catch myself, like whenever, um, cause you know, we live in the Pacific Northwest and we live in an area that rains a lot mm-hmm. and people, something people like to complain about is the weather and they're like, <laughs> Oh my God, the rain sucks. Like I hate the rain. But for me, I actually, I love the rain, not just because I just love like dancing in the rain, but just because for me, it's a symbol of like, yeah, I made it through another year. Like I'm here. I got to live through a, a, a whole other four seasons and I got and I got here again. Yeah, it, it's a whole different perspective. You're right. Not a lot of people, you know, can say, "Hey, I I know what you're going through." It's a very rare thing. And I like how you said, like, your biggest fear is losing someone you loved. Your biggest fear happened, and you survived. Okay. You know, and listening to you now, and I, I like how we started with um, you telling how you're doing now. And listeners have no idea what grief you've gone through. You know, they just picking up little little bits and pieces of here and there as you, as you talk. But the strength you have in your voice and the strength you say when you talk about John and his memory, that sounds like John. He was so humbly confident in who he was and his abilities he, he had bad days, of course. He was human. He complained here and there, but barely. Yeah. You know, I remember, I, I know you and I talk about this all the time, his overalls. He just, <laughs> <laughs> he would walk in always having a smile on his face um, in the office. And then he would walk in with his thumbs like at the buckles of his overalls and he would just like strut down up and down in his socks in the <laughs> office this kid's the co-op kid and he just brought so much light and so much joy and so much talent in this world and i i consider myself very very lucky to have known him and to have called him a friend and he introduced me to you <laughs> yeah honestly that was like, that's like he ever did for me oh he's just oh so sweet honey um I remember when it happened and when I got a call I think it was from Callie actually somebody at work saw a bunch of Instagram posts and they're like this is a joke right this is a joke and I was like must be a joke I'm like that's not funny though and um and then Callie's like uh Callie's like we should call we should have a call and I took it. And when she told me, my mind and my heart just went straight to you because I couldn't imagine what you were going through. So I know this is going to be a hard topic to talk about, but can you give to the listeners what that day was like and what had happened to John? 
Um, so basically the way I found out, um, uh, this oh, is I Rome. Talked about that day in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> this is Rome uh, 2017. Yeah, Rome 2017. Um, so basically, the way I found out. Uh, so I I was at a friend's birthday party that night. It was just a girls' night. We like we had like a girls' night with like a bunch of girls in our class, and it was always really fun because the November 21st also happens to be a friend's birthday. So the evening of um of the 21st we we got together at her house and i was just like oh like i'm going for a girls night john like you do your own thing like we had lunch together that day it was a really busy day because it was like right before our final deadline for school and stuff so you know it was very it was very tense and like everyone was very feeling very tense and tired and like how john always let us in steam he was he would go climb and there was a climbing gym uh we lived right near the vatican and there's a climbing gym about like a half hour bike ride away. Just I remember I don't remember what direction it was from where we lived, but it was just somewhere up north of Rome. And um, the bike road was really sketchy. It was like a highway because I remember going with him once, and I remember just being like, "This road's kind of sketchy." I mean, because it wasn't really well lit or anything. And John wasn't like the type who was just like very, but like, he was very uh, what what do you call it? Like his risk tolerance was very high. Like. <laughs> I was like, oh, like, shouldn't you wear a helmet when you ride? And he's like, oh, helmets make me uncomfortable. And I was like, oh, like, what about bike lights? And he never really cared about that kind of thing. And I guess I didn't know better to have enforced that more. And now I enforce that more than ever. Like, bike safety, after this, like, bike safety is, like, the number one thing for me. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know how, how much of a difference it can make. Um, so that day... Um, when I, when I went to go to my friend's house for a girl's night, he took the bike to go climb. And, um, I also had forgotten about like the fact that I had took it to like, took his phone. Cause only one of us had a data plan. And I was like, Oh, like, you know, where home is like, can I just use your phone to like direct myself to my friend's place? And he was like, sure. And so I had both of our phones. Mine was just useless without Wi-Fi, So I was carrying mine around and I was using his phone to direct myself and at one point in the conversation, we were just playing truth or dare with among the girls. And then I forgot what the question was, but the prompt was basically just to tell John something. Tell John like that I did something like terrible. And just to see what his reaction was. And I was like, oh, haha, okay. So I used my phone and, to call his phone. And then the phone rings in our apartment. I was like, oh, right. Like I have, I have the phone. And then I realized like what time it was. And I was like, oh, like it was like, it was like nearing 11 midnight. And I was like, oh, I should go check up and John and make sure he's home. So I went back and by the time I, I totally expected him to be there. Cause I don't think the climbing gym was open for that late anyways, but he wasn't. I walked into our apartment and our roommate was home and I asked like, oh, Hey, like, has John been in? And he's like, oh, I haven't seen him. So at that point it was like almost midnight. So I was like, okay, like that's a little weird. Um, he's probably just on his way. Maybe he just stayed, stayed right up until close. Um, so I went to bed, but I couldn't really fall asleep. I had this sinking feeling that something was wrong. It was like instinct, you know, like I was, it was just a gut feeling. I was like, why isn't he home? Like, I know that I have his phone, so he can't have called me, but that does like, that doesn't make sense as to why he's still out. I was like, something must have happened. Something must have happened. And, but you know, when you have thoughts like this, you're like, there's no way, right? Like I'm being paranoid. Yeah. I kept thinking that, but then when I still couldn't fall asleep, 
I woke up my like our like our roommate and I was like, yo, dude, like I think something's wrong. Like I don't know why, but I can't shake this feeling. It was I thought it was just a feeling. And all these like worst case scenarios started flying through my head. But then when it got to the the worst case scenario that actually was the case, I was like, there's no way, there's no way. I kept brushing it off. And I was we were walking in the direction of the climbing gym. And there was like a little highway that like part of the highway that you had to walk through to get to the gym. And I remember all along the walk, like my roommate was comforting me, just basically being like, I'm sure he's fine. I'm sure he's fine. Like, like he's like, knowing John, he probably saw something really cool on the side of the street and decided to draw it. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, you know what? You're right. You're right. But then, uh, or John would probably just like talk to some random stranger and know his life story. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, was like, I was like, yeah, I'm sure it's something totally, totally like something John would do. And like, I'm probably overreacting, but I was like, just something feels off to me and I really want to just double check that he's okay so like I'm like I don't even know if the climbing gym's still open but I ha- I just have a feeling he might be around there and we walked towards we walked up the highway um towards the gym and suddenly I see a bunch of blinking lights and sun- that's when my vision started getting hazy because I was like oh my god what what's going on and it was a bunch of police cars so to this day like when I see like a bunch of flashing red and blue lights. It's not so bad anymore, but to this day I get shaken up a little bit because I remember that night. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were, the lights were just flashing red and blue. And then so they saw, suddenly just, they all started blending in together, kind of like, it was like an army of just light penetrating the darkness towards my eyes when I was already just like, just in a frenzy, you know, like my adrenaline was just on like over a hundred. And I, I was like, this, this isn't real. This isn't real. And suddenly out of the corner of my eye, past the police cars, I see something covered in a white sheet and I see a bike. And upon looking closer, I realized it was his bike smashed on the corner of the road. And I remember just like my first instinct was just to run. I don't know how I knew, but I was running towards that whatever was under those sheets because I knew that was him. And I was, I was running and I was screaming and I was like, there's, there's no way, there's no way. But then all these cops, they were, that's why they had their cars parked in front of it because they didn't want anyone to see. And they, they, they were, I was running and then they stopped me. They were, they were pulling me back. They're like, and they're speaking Italian. It was like, ah, like, no, 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 no. They're trying to hold me back. And I was like, no, 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 no. You have to let me go. I'm like, I, 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 that's John, that's John. And I was, I was like running towards, I was running towards him and I was like, please, like, please just let me go see him. Please let me go see him. But they wouldn't let me go. And in hindsight, I'm kind of glad they didn't because I don't think that's something I would be able to get out of my head. Mm-hmm. And um, so they held me back. And then I remember my roommate was just trying to talk to the cops and just explain who that was. And they took, they brought out the backpack they had found on him and they found his ID and his wallet. And that was him. That's how, that's how he confirmed. So basically like all these worst case scenarios, my gut instinct had somehow known that something was off, but I couldn't have possibly have guessed it was this. And, uh, so that night, um, right after we let all our professors know, I couldn't sleep. It was without a doubt the worst night of my life. Mm-hmm. I, I remember just, I'm, I consider myself a very optimistic person. You are. Uh, but that night for the first time in my life, I just had all these dark thoughts 
and I didn't, it was like having all those dark thoughts was so foreign to me. I didn't know what to do. I was like, I've never, I've never want even considered like not being able to be a part of not wanting to be around anymore. But suddenly those thoughts were like, just all I could think about because I was like, how, how is it, how could this world be a place that lets someone like him just die like that? You know, like how I, I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around it. So I remember just like, the, it was honestly, it felt like there was like a huge, huge weight on my heart. And it just wouldn't go away. Like I couldn't, I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I, I, I couldn't do anything. And that was, that was what that night was like four years ago. You are so but I remember strong. just, Sorry. I remember just making a promise to myself. Like the next day after, you know, after we called his parents, I talked to his parents and I talked to my family, especially after talking to my dad. I knew that if I had acted on any of these dark thoughts, I would make it infinitely worse for everyone. Everyone who was hurting over this, and especially my family. I, I, could, and I, I couldn't do that to them. And that was the reason I knew that I had, I couldn't, I had to be, I had to be strong. I couldn't give in to these thoughts I was having because I just, I was like, you know what? Like, life sucks right now. It, it can't possibly get worse, you know? It, it, like, it can only go up from here. Absolutely. And I'm like, and I don't have a choice at this point. Like, I, I have to be strong for the sake of my friends and my family who are all like basically looking to me for strength in a weird way where like our, our entire class was there and we were all just like so shaken up. And I think everyone was just checking in on me, not, to, like not only to make sure I was okay, but just as like some, to provide some kind of answer for them because I was the, obviously I was the closest to him. And like, I think it was, it was one of those situations where if I didn't just step up and be strong, like, I don't think our class would have handled it as well as they did, you know, as well as we all did and come out of it even stronger and even closer. I think so it was, those are all the emotions I felt that day. Um, you are incredibly strong and it, it is not weak to have those thoughts. Like you said, you were literally at your rock bottom and I don't think you crawled out of your rock bottom. I don't think you you rolled out of your rock bottom. You fucking climbed out of it. You are an incredible woman. And I remember, I think it was only a month and a half until you moved back to Vancouver, wasn't it? You, you came back in January. Yeah. And when I first saw you, I think we hugged like so hard at the airport. I think I picked you I up. Remember. Yeah. I remember, yeah. Um, you, you still had this glow to you, but I think it was even brighter. I think there was something trying to dim it, but there was just something brighter in your energy that it was coming out of you. And I remember you were fighting, you were fighting so hard for it, your light not to dim. And uh, you took every 
I am in awe of you as a, as a person because to be strong and to be there for 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 all your friends and for all your family um, and to provide some type of comfort to them. I think you did that by just being you and being your strong self and um, that could have eaten you alive and you you didn't let it and you didn't let it define you, the sadness, the grief, and it was sad and I saw you sad and I saw you struggling, uh, you know, and the memories of, of him, I, I know, like, I still think of him and I can't get that image of his overalls, you know, <laughs> just the <laughs> smile on his face, just so go lucky. And he had, before even COVID happened, he had what a Zoom online celebration of life. And there were so many people that were going in and out of celebration of life and all over the world, like in f- what, age 22, he lived in what, four or five different countries? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was not surprised that you guys were together. There was, you guys had this happy, go lucky, explore the world, explore life kind of um, attitude, you know? And, and it's just incredible. And I think, and I think I see a lot of him still in you, you know, um, losing the first love of your life. Like I'm one of those people. I can't say that, um, I know how you feel cause I don't. And, um, and I can't even imagine, <laughs> but, and then finding the second love of your life, you know, um, lucky you (laughs) and being engaged and being so happy and have grown from it and um and and david being so gosh damn supportive in everything and understanding and and not pushing um what do you think uh you took away from this whole experience that you brought into your life now and your relationship with david the main thing is just, I know this sounds so like typical and corny, but they're not kidding when they say that when something de- this devastating just shake ups your, shakes up your entire foundation, you just can't, be, you just can't help but be grateful for the little things you have, mm-hmm. you know, just so many things that I took for granted before, you know, I like rain. when this happened, like rain or just you know, like a call from my dad or just being able to be having the ability to just talk to someone I love whenever I want, you know, when all this happened, I was 22. Like we thought we were going to live forever. You know, mm-hmm. like it was weird to think about the end when it felt like our life had just, just barely begun. You know, it, it was, it was also kind of just not, you know, accepted in society for that, for people that young to even think about death, you know, it just, None of us even knew how to talk about it. No. And then suddenly to be thrown into this world where it, oftentimes it felt like on my own, I had to figure out how, how to process everything and what to do. You can't help but grow from that. I just, I approach every day now just, just, just remembering like how, how I felt in that period of my life and versus like anytime I, I deal with hardship now is like, for example, like all of the quarantine 
you know, like I was like, there were a lot of people who were struggling like mentally, but for me, I was like, girl, like you have been through hell. Like this is <laughs> nothing, you know, like, yeah, this is nothing. Like, it's like, they tell me I, I am an extrovert. And so like, not being able to go outside or anything and not being able to hang out with my friends, that was really hard. And oftentimes there were days where I'm just like, man, like this sucks. Mm -hmm. But then I would always, I would, there's always like a part of me that, that reminds myself in times like that. When I, when I start catching myself complaining, just being like, Hey, like step back for a second. Like you are so lucky to even be alive. You know, like you are so lucky you got to live another day because even the most healthy perfect talented person didn't and I don't know if that's because I don't know if that's just because of just me reflecting and just being like wow I'm so lucky I like made it through all this time but I honestly just think it's just like the empathy I've I feel towards everyone around me now just because oftentimes you know people are going through something and they feel like they don't know really how, they don't really know how to talk about it I don't know how but I guess it's because of everything I went through since Rome. I've often become like a, a place, I, I, I like my home and like I have become the person that many of my friends come to for comfort when, when they're going through something. And honestly, that makes me very, very happy that something that completely changed my life in this way can also be a kind of a, a teacher for, for other people going through something similar mm -hmm. or going through some kind of hardship too. And the way I approach it now is just like, I made this promise to myself and to John all those years ago when this happened that I wouldn't let those dark thoughts like control who I am. And I, like, I, I knew I would struggle, you know, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to overcome. But I promised myself that the day that I feel like I can, I can actually move through it, I will, I will live my life, you know, like to the absolute fullest like to just make up for basically the person we lost. So I started just pushing myself to like, you know, achieve all these goals. They shared goals that John and I had. Like the whole reason I started running was because of him. Like I, I couldn't even, I could barely even run a 5K <laughs> like, like four years ago, you know, like I, I couldn't, like I sucked. Like my ankles are weak, everything. But then he always had this dream to run a full marathon. And I was like, all right. Um, I, I think I could start with the half, you know, just to see what happened. And, um, next thing, you know, like I was just, I following a training schedule and running became my meditation. And now I can't imagine my life without it. Like running is basically like my therapy. It was like the time where I didn't have to think about anything else, but just being in the moment. And it was the time when I can just Oftentimes in grief, like all these thoughts, it feels like 10,000 thoughts hit you at the same time. But when I'm running, I could finally, I could actually just somehow like categorize them and just allow myself to feel what I feel. And it, it helped calm me down so much in those times. And now it's just, it's like, it's become a staple in my life. Mm -hmm. And now I'm about to run my first full. And this is all thanks to just me just promising to myself that I would live out my life twice as hard twice as happily for the sake of him, you know, just to, just to try and make up for the person we lost. Mm -hmm. And now when it comes to my relationship with David, like I tell him every day, like, I wonder if he gets tired of it now, but I tell him <laughs> every day, like how thankful I am and how much of a gift he is. Like, just, just think, you know, like, thank you so much for choosing me. Like, thank you so much for just being you because 
honestly, you don't know when it's the last time you're going to be able to say it to someone. You just don't know. Exactly. And I learned it. I learned that the hard way that day. And now I just, I like, you know, we have disagreements. Obviously we're two different people, but I never, ever want to end it in a bad note. I always make sure just, we're very good at communicating. And I always just make sure that like any, just any miscommunications were resolved right away because I never want it. I never want like what could be the last conversation we ever have due to whatever unforeseen circumstances be a sad one. Mm-hmm. Like I, I want, I want just every memory, basically pretty much every memory between us to be good ones because you just, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. And to be honest, ever since John's death, I tell everyone who I, when I'm, when we're parting ways and, or whatever, I tell number one, call me when you get home. Actually, even before John's death, I think I, I did that. Yeah. And uh, but the one thing I know after his death is I, I last thing I say to everyone is I love you because you're right. You just never know if there's an unforeseen thing that happens like, out of your control. And yeah. whether you're mad at someone, whether you dislike someone or just. You know, it's not dislike someone. When you're mad at someone, when you yeah. dislike them at the moment, you know, you remind yourself that in a blink of an eye, your life can change. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's not just with David, too. Like when I now with like my friends, yeah. if I have friends who are, who are going through something hard, like um, I had a friend last year who had, had this fear that she might lose her dad because he had a stroke. Mm-hmm. And she, I could tell, like, it was freaking her out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know how this feels. Like, you know, just, like, this is not something I would have understood at all. Before. Like, in, like until four years ago, you know? Like, yeah. before everything in Rome. And so now whenever my friends are dealing with hardship, I'm the one that sends them cupcakes. I send them chocolate. I, just, <laughs> I tell them every day, like, hey, like, I'm here for you. I'm support. Like, you are supported. I just want you to know that. And I think before that, I would show that, but not so explicitly. I would be like, you know, it would just be, I would think it was implied. And I was like, oh, you're my friend. Like, of course I'll be there for you, you know? Mm-hmm. But now it's like, I make it very obvious. Just being like, do you need to talk to someone? I am here for you. Like, girl, like, we got wine, we got cupcakes. Like, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk it out. I'm here for you. Because I just, I just realized, like, I, you, you don't, you honestly just don't know, like when the last chance will be to show someone how you feel about them and how much you care about them. Yeah. So now I just, I do everything in my power to just let everyone know that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sally, thank you for sharing your story and being the strong one you are. You inspire me. Even you were like 11 years younger than me and <laughs> I look up to you and I know I am fortunate to have seen such a wonderful woman grow uh, even before John's death, you you inspire others, and you are a beautiful, beautiful light kid. I love you so much. <laughs> I love you too, Ira. Uh, and tell David, I uh, love him too. I am excited for your wedding, and I'm excited to be part of it. And yeah. Welcome to this episode's reflection section. What I really love about Sally is she took something so sad and so tragic that happened in her life and spun it on its head and created this new beautiful life for herself. 
she used the grief as motivation to live life to the fullest, to know that John would have wanted that for her and to be happy and find love again. And that's exactly what she did. She appreciates every day like it's the last one. And she sees the world in such a positive light and didn't let grieve, grieving John's death hold her down because she knew that John would not have wanted that. And she doesn't want that for herself neither. And then she's now living this amazing life that she's so happy. She's so positive. She's just this amazing, naturally charismatic individual and who's now found a new love and is now engaged to David. Yes, grief is this unexpressed love that we don't get to tell the person that passed away. But then we can let either grief hold us back and us play the victim, or it can motivate us to live a happy, full life in honor of that person. And that is exactly what Sally is doing. It's very hard to deal with grief. Obviously, it's very painful. And trying to run away from the pain of grief is really ineffective. Best, It's best off when you address grief head on. and Because you need to allow the grief to kind of just like push through us and and storm through us. It's when we try to suppress the pain um, that does more harm in the long run. You know, sometimes we try to soften the topic of death and we say passed away, moved on, um, gone to doggy heaven. <laughs> you know, like we always try to soften the blow of death. But in reality, there's only one thing that's guaranteed in life, and that's death. So why are we softening the topic of death? Because it happens to everything and everyone on this planet. You know, just because death happens or we, we, we lose people or someone dies, um, whether it's tragic, tragically or through old age, that love for that person doesn't go away when they're in their death. Their love continues and that's what grief is. And, and memories allow us to continue feeling that love after they have died. And I think it's a choice whether we want to remain grieving and being sad or um, remember that person in a very positive way and feel lucky that they had touched your heart and you were part of their lives, whether it was a short period of time or in a long or had a romantic relationship with them and stuff. So it's very hard. But before I start talking about like what are some of the things to get over grief, I just want to be sure and just state that I am not a psychologist, I am not a therapist, and I'm not a counselor. If you have lost a friend or a family member through death or whatsoever, I suggest that you go out there um, to find a professional to help you out. Um, but some of the things that I know that Sally had done and that I do for myself 
um, that have worked is when we're getting over grief or death is to feel the emotions, feel the emotions that come through you, cry it out, be sad, be angry, write it all down in a journal, um, get it out of your body and into something tangible um, and physical. Uh, what you know, writing it out. Um, go to boxing. Be physical. Uh, go for a run. Um, just get that sadness, get that anger, get that out out into this world. Do not hold it in, and and just get it out. There's a, like a lot of psychology books and a lot of podcasts where it talks about the benefits of physical activity when it comes to our mental state and. Sometimes grief is kind of um, not, not a form of madness, but allows us to be in our head and, 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 and boggles us down. And sometimes being physically active and grounding our bodies helps with releasing some of those tensions or those thoughts in our heads and, and really just getting it out, like I said. Some other things that might help is you know, telling a funny, a funny story about that person. For instance, like for John, the one of the funniest things or one of my favorite memories about him is when he used to walk around the office that we worked at with no shoes, just his socks, and he wore overalls and he would put his thumbs on the, sh- on the shoulder part or the bib part of the overalls where the bib and the the buckles over your shoulders connect and he would just walk around strutting his stuff up and down up and down the office and it just shows so much happiness in him i love it it was is wonderful think of positive positive happy moments that would make you laugh and smile obviously each time sadness hits you you're able to process it a little bit more and a little bit more and um, and it gets better over time I think there's a saying out there it says uh, time heals all wounds and and I guess that's really the best advice and just letting time kind of take its toll and let it heal the wounds of grief um, and the the death of a loved one. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the interview and get inspired by Sally's strength and because she is one inspiring woman. And um, yeah, and I'm going to leave you with this. Be honest with your words, be kind with your actions, be fearless with your heart and be brave enough to be vulnerable. Thank you for listening. Lots of love. Mm-hmm.